Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's your Cleveland Guardians 10, the Detroit Tigers nothing. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And what a way to close out the first half of a season, right? A three-game win streak going against the Tigers right here. A chance to sweep the four-game series today. If the weather cooperates, ooh, it's going to be tough. There are some big storms. I'm no meteorologist, but there's some big storms, it looks like, coming up from Indianapolis, coming up from Columbus and Toledo across the state. And I don't know. They're supposed to hit like right around game time. So we'll see if they get the game in today or if we get rained out on the final day of the first half. Either way, Man, that's some good vibes to close out the first half of the season and some good vibes to get Jose Ramirez ready for the home run derby. Those of you worried about the derby affecting his swing, how do you feel after Saturday's game, huh? He looks locked in. Remember, this happened last year to Juan Soto, who was struggling, scuffling, and then preparing for the home run derby got him going for the second half. So you never know with the Derby, all right? Just enjoy it. Have fun with it because Jose Ramirez is definitely having fun with it. All right, we'll get into the storylines of the game. I just want to remind you, if you want to get your thoughts in on the first half of the season, I want to hear from the morning people on this. I know there's a bunch of you out there. I know there you got thoughts. You got opinions. I know you're out there, morning people. I see you listening. And uh, email the show, clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the first half of the season, your first half season wrap-ups, whatever you want to say, your top player, your top performer of the first half, whatever you want to do, drop me an email, clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. We'll use it on a uh, kind of a wrap-up episode. Sometime during the All-Star break, we'll do a wrap-up episode. All right, let's get into the storylines of this game. Remember, Cleveland Baseball Mornings at gmail.com. All right, the storylines of this game is, holy hell, the Guardians offense just exploded on Michael Pineda, and poor guy just couldn't, just nowhere near his last start against Cleveland. Remember, he actually pitched decent in his last start against Cleveland, and I look back at that game, and he was just peppering in called strikes with that fastball of his. It's a a low-velocity fastball, but he was peppering, and I looked at the illustrator, the arms, his arm side of the plate. So away to lefties into righties. He was just peppering called strikes right around that edge. This game, completely different. He is stuck in the middle of the plate. He is getting absolutely destroyed, too. They were very aggressive. A lot of these at-bats, they're cracking on him in the second pitch of the at-bat, third pitch of the at-bat, sometimes even the first pitch of the at-bat. They are or his first time in the strike zone sometimes, right? If he misses away for the first pitch, like Jose Ramirez's home run, as soon as he comes into the strike zone, they were being really, really aggressive, especially against that fastball. Uh, he still had eight called strikes with that fastball, but the average exit velocity off his fastball in the day was 100.9. That was the average exit velocity on eight balls put in play was 100.9. So they were absolutely smoking Michael Pineda's four-seam fastball. I mean, let's run through it. Some of these are interesting here because uh, the offense gets rolling right away with Stephen Kwan. And Stephen Kwan has been absolutely fantastic since taking over the leadoff spot. How fantastic, you asked Davey? How fantastic has he been? Well, 
Right now, uh, according to Stats.com, which gave me the AL leaders in leadoff on base percentage, uh, he's fourth in the American League right now in leadoff on base percentage, but behind Luis Arise, Yandy Diaz, Jose Altuve. I believe this here is just pulling from who's hitting first in the lineup. So it's not necessarily leading off the game, but as far as on-base percentage goes, or OBA on-base average, uh, for guys hitting in the one spot in the lineup, Stephen Kwan has the fourth best on-base average of the American League. Pretty darn good. Now, what about leading off the game? What about the first batter of the game? Because Kwan's going to lead off this game with a hit. He's hitting 357 as the first batter of the game over on Baseball Reference. 400 on base, 393 slugging. Yeah, he doesn't slug very much, but that's he's getting on base. That's the important part there. It's a 793 OPS. There's a an SOPS plus, which is a split relative to the league split OPS. So he's a 124 SOPS plus, which means 24% better than league average when hitting in the as the first batter of the game. Um, compared to the rest of the league. Uh, Miles Straw, when he was in that situation, he was hitting 113 as the first batter of the game with a 190 on base percentage. He was a minus 2 SOPS plus. He was 102% worse than the league average when it came to leading off games. So I think we've made the right call here going with Stephen Kwan as our leadoff hitter. And it shows in this game. By the way, Luisa Rise is the best in the American League right now, leading off the game, first batter of the game. He's got in the first spot in the batting order. But just to let you know what Quan's competition is, he's hitting 405 as the first batter of the game with a 432 OPS, or 432 on base percentage with a 1.75 OPS. OPS. A lot of numbers there. He's got over 1,000 OPS leading off the game as the first batter of the game. It's an SOPS plus of 196, meaning 96% better than league average when it comes to leading off the game. So that's Quan's competition right there. Arise, one of the best on-base guys in all of baseball. Uh, but he does a fantastic job this game. And Pineda does him a favor. Two fastballs right down the middle. First one called strike. Second one, he shoots a ground ball that Jonathan Scope uh, barely can knock down. Kind of bobbles. Quan gets a single to kick off the game. Uh, so two pitches in the game, two fastballs, boom, he's already on. Ahmed Rosario, he keeps everything down, throws him three different pitches, gets two strikes on him, get peppers in a called strike for a, with a four-seam fastball at the knees, throws him a changeup down and at the knees uh, that he swings through for a strike, then goes and throws him that slider. And we all know... Ahmed Rosario is going to chase a slider away, but you need to put that thing in the other batter's box. Instead, he puts it on the plate. It's down below the knees, but it's on the plate, and Ahmed Rosario shoots it back up the middle at 96.6 miles per hour. And uh, it's interesting. A.J. Hinch, after the game, said, like, we're not going to stop Jose Ramirez. What we have to do, and what we did in the series at home, was we kept those guys in front of him off base. So he doesn't have a chance to hit a three-run home run or a big RBI hit. Well, in this series, those guys have been getting on base ahead of Ramirez, and they've been setting him up beautifully to recapture the league lead in RBIs, and he does it with a three-run homer right here. It's the second pitch of the at-bat. First one is a fastball way off the plate. Second one, a fastball right down the pipe at the belt, 
perfect spot for a home run derby pitch. Jose Ramirez, now this thing, you want to talk about expected batting average. He hits it 103.2 miles per hour, but a launch angle of 43 degrees. It only had an expected batting average of 190, but it was way out there for a home run. So a great job by Jose Ramirez there launching that home run. Uh, And then uh, the Guardians would continue to rally in the second inning off Michael Pineda. This time, Nolan Jones going up on the fourth pitch of the at-bat, going up the escalator to the top of the strike zone, and gets on top of a pitch that's frankly at his armpits and hits it 108.8 miles per hour uh, to right fielder Robbie Grossman. I mean, he really goes up and gets one there. So uh, Pineda, that's not a bad pitch from Pineda. But I guess at 88.6 miles per hour, Jones had time to get on top of that. I mean, if you're throwing 96, 97 mile per hour fastballs, he's blowing that by Jones. But an 88.6 mile per hour fastball, yeah, Jones is getting up there and he's going to hammer that thing. Uh, Luke Maley not wasting any time, I guess, does not have a concussion. I guess no no concussion stint for Maley seems to be all right. We were all worried about him a few days ago. He jumps all over the first pitch, a first pitch fastball. I told you they're not wasting any time against these fastballs. So he shoots it back up the middle. Jones goes to third. And that brings up Straw. And again, Pineda doing him favors. He misses with the first fastball away. And then two fastballs right down the pipe, just below the belt. Just below the belt, right down the middle of the plate. He fouls the first one off. The next one he does not miss, 95.2 mile per hour exit velocity over Robbie Grossman's head. One hops the wall. Nolan Jones comes in to score. So Pineda showed him two fastballs in the exact same spot. I mean, what do you expect to happen there? I told you, he was just stuck in the middle of the plate. Quan uh, would pop out, but that would bring up Ahmed Rosario. Now, Ahmed Rosario has two extreme base hits here. Everybody else is middle of the plate, but again, jumping on the first fastball of the at-bat. So he, he follows off a changeup down, gets a fastball again at the top of the strike zone. But again, it's only at 88.5 miles per hour. And Ahmed Rosario gets up there and hits it at 105.9 mile per hour exit velocity into the gap in left center field. And it brings in two more to score. And that sets up Jose Ramirez. Uh, he gets uh, He stayed away on him this time. Misses in the dirt. Actually drops one on the outside edge for called strike one. And then throws him a changeup away, and you can't do that. You can't do that. Jose Ramirez is locked in. He can hammer changeups, uh, especially if you leave him out over the plate. This one, again, at the belt, out over the plate. This is on the outside edge, but it's at the belt. A meaty changeup at 84.2. He doesn't shoot this thing the other way. He jumps all over it. 107.2 mile-per-hour exit velocity, 21-degree launch angle. This one had a 930 expected batting average and landed Oh my God! If you've seen, if you saw it live, if you saw the replay, you get a glimpse. You get a just a tiny. I love that they cut away so fast from the crowd reaction. I wish they would stay for a second longer on the crowd reaction on some of these home runs because some of them are priceless. Because this ball, I mean, smacked the seat right in front of a guy wearing the big, huge Jose Ramirez T-shirt that they gave away a few days ago. And it landed right in front of him. This guy, a giant Jose Ramirez fan, clearly, it landed right in front of him, and he didn't get the ball. He didn't catch it. It hit the seat in front of him. Someone to his right is able to grab the ball. And they actually cut back, and the guy threw his hands to his head like, oh, my God, it happened, and I blew it. 
for the rest of his life, this guy is going to think, I blew my chance to catch a Jose Ramirez home run ball. It was right there. He's going to play it over and over again in his head. He's going to see it in his dreams. This ball land right in front of him, and he didn't come up with it. Poor guy wearing a Jose Ramirez uh, t-shirt. I hope his buddies bought him a beer or something, right? Something to take the edge off. Because uh, the poor guy had his opportunity, had his moment. Oh, and it, someone who was right got the ball, not him. Ah, oh, poor guy. But Jose Ramirez absolutely just hammering the ball. And uh, yeah, I mean, racking up those RBIs again. Nice to see him racking up those RBIs. Now, the Mets did play a doubleheader, so Pete Alonso got some extra at-bats on Jose Ramirez yesterday. So Pete Alonso was able to take back the RBI lead for all of baseball. Alonso's at 77. Ramirez is at 75. Goldschmidt on their heels at 70 RBIs. And uh, CJ Crone and Aaron Judge with 69 RBIs. Aaron Judge would be on his heels for the American League lead. So Ramirez leads all the American League in RBIs. Uh, Alonso got him in all of baseball by two RBIs. And I know some people discount the, cra- the counting stats. But I still put a lot of weight on RBIs. To do it in the moments, in the situation, with runners on base, creating runs, WRC+, plus, right? Creating runs for your team is still really important in the game of baseball. And that's why we keep track of these things like RBIs. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, they just absolutely made Pineda's day a nightmare. And uh, they would score again in the uh, fourth inning. Uh, Josh Naylor with a solo home run. He would jump all over a sinker out over the plate. He would hit it 109 miles per hour, 30-degree launch angle, 414, 980 expected batting average, his 13th home run of the season to dead center field, into the trees in center field. That's Jim Tomey territory right there. This is off the bullpen. This is off of Jesus. And uh, then they would rally for another run off him. Andres Jimenez would, of course, get hit by a pitch. Because the two true outcomes for Andres Jimenez are he, you hit him or he hits you. By the way, you're starting. Did I bury the lead on that? You're starting American League second baseman for the All-Star game is going to be Andres Jimenez. Altuve backed out. His back is bothering him. Jimenez is getting the starting nod and a well-deserved start too. Maybe the most well-deserved second baseman. Uh, I think when I looked at the numbers yesterday, Altuve might have him in war. Uh, in WRC+, plus, Jimenez has him in batting average. Jimenez has been absolutely fantastic the first half of the season. and It's amazing that he's going to get the start. If I told you an infielder from Cleveland was going to start the All-Star game, you probably didn't expect it to be Andres Jimenez at second base. Right? Uh, but yeah, he's going to be in there. He's going to be kicking things off. I, It's great to see. It's going to be a lot of fun watching one of our guys uh, you know, lead the All-Star team out there. Get out there with the starters. Mix it up with the starters. Uh, Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, he has one of those fun games. Who knows? He'll do something crazy like drop a bunt down and slide headfirst into first base, right? That feels like an Andres Jimenez thing to do. Uh, Frankly, uh, whoever's managing the American League probably wants him hitting at the end of the game because like we said yesterday, uh, the guy is amazing in that 7th through ninth inning, especially with runners on base. So, uh, you know, they're not doing him any favors by, you know, let him come back up in the ninth inning, right? Let him pinch hit again in the ninth inning. That's where he'll really be able to show out in front of the national audience. So uh, he gets hit by a pitch, and then they're able to, uh, 
They're able to rally and bring in uh, another run in that fourth inning. They're able to drive him in uh, a single from Fermil Reyes and then a single by Nolan Jones. He shoots one back up the middle uh, and brings in Andres Jimenez to score. Uh, they would load the bases. Mainly we get hit by the pitch two in that inning, but Miles Straw would ground out. Trying to shoot it the other way, but he shot it right at Torkelson. And he grounds out to end with the bases loaded. So that would be the end of the offense for the Guardians. But I think they did enough damage. I think I think they did enough damage. Everybody in the starting lineup either has a hit or was hit by the pitch. I, I, Andres Jimenez doesn't have a hit on the game. Uh, eventually, Ernie Clement would come in to replace him. Uh, you know, he clears the bench eventually and gets everybody in the game. Um but yeah, so everybody has a hit in the starting lineup, except for Andres Jimenez, but he was hit by the pitch. So hey, uh, he's on base. He scores a run. Did everybody in the starting lineup score a run? Yes. Every single person in the starting lineup, except for Fermil Reyes. Ah, oh, Reyes, you ruined it. All right, not bad. Eight out of nine in the starting lineup all come around and touch home plate. That is a great offensive day. So, I mean, can you ask for anything better? How much fun is it? I mean, Michael Pineda, thank you for the gift of your your 88-mile-per-hour fastball down the middle. Uh, we absolutely hammered him. He's hard hit 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 times on only two innings pitched. On 47 pitches, he's hard hit 10 times. Oof, it was just not Michael Pineda's day. Now, on the other side of things, the Guardians played some good defense behind Cal Quantrill. Hell, even Cal Quantrill played some good defense bare-handing a chopper back to the mound, up over his head, and almost turning a double play in that first inning. Now, the top of the first inning looked a little shaky for Quantrill, right? He ends up loading the bases, throws a lot of pitches. Uh, like we said, he almost turns that double play on Javi Baez. I think uh, Andres Jimenez rushes the throw a little bit, knowing that Baez can get down the line. Um, so he gives up a single, a leadoff single to Riley Green. Bias hits into that force out. He gets Miguel Cabrera to fly out, but then Harold Castro with a single. He walks Eric Haas, and he's struggling. They even have a mound visit, uh, you know, because he's struggling out there. And what does Jonathan Scope do? He Okay, he does us a favor here. Now, I there's two trains of thought here from Scope. The first train of thought from Scope could be, all right, this guy is struggling. The, uh, the pitching coach just went out and talked to him. I got the bases loaded. All the pressure is on him. He's probably going to give me something really meaty to uh, to swing at for the first pitch. Like he's going to try to give do a get me over fastball, and I'm going to get one here. That that was what was going through Scope's head clearly, because he swings at a cutter uh, on the outside edge, a ball that's cutting away from him. It's at the belt, so if he shoots this the opposite field, I understand, which he tried to do, but he ends up grounding out to Andres Jimenez, who forces out Haas at second base. Um, the other train of thought is this guy can't find the strike zone. Let me be patient, and I'm go, you know he'll either walk me or I'm going to get something to hit. Right? Instead, he's aggressive. He chooses the aggressive path, and he pays for it against Quantrill. So uh, Quantrill settles down after this. It's actually a really good, really good final line for Cal Quantrill. I mean, maybe the just the energy was taken out of their sails. That you know the wind was taken out of their sails by the Guardians' offense going off. I mean, they were already up 8 nothing after two innings. But Quantrill goes six innings, gives up four hits, no runs, only two walks, and five strikeouts on 100 pitches. He's hard hit three times. Three times. That's it. 
And by the way, uh, Jose Ramirez playing some fantastic defense at third base. Made a great play on a force out. He got Miguel Cabrera at second base. He knew who was running, uh, but he ranged to his right, got one, and forced out Miguel Cabrera at second base. And then on a, a crazy hop, well, one hopper into his glove, he's able to stab it and make a great throw across the diamond to first base to nab one of the Tigers hitters. So Jose Ramirez was flashing some leather there at third base to pick up Quantrill. But yeah, it's a really good start for Cal. Uh, it probably felt really good to get some revenge against the Tigers. What was working for him on the day? Now, it's not eye-popping CSW numbers. His total CSW on the day was 30%, called strikes plus whiffs. Uh, he was getting some decent called strikes on the sinker and the cutter. The changeup was his best pitch on the day. A 56% whiff rate on the changeup, five whiffs on nine swings. Add in four called strikes, it's good for 47% CSW on the day. But it was the exit velocity, just inducing weak contact all day on eight of his two-seam sinkers put in play. They had an average exit velocity of 77.9. Come on, off your fastball, your average exit velocity is 77.9? Remember, the average exit velocity off Pineda's was over 100. The average exit velocity off his cutter, 80.8. Off the changeup, 87.8. Off the curveball, 83.3. It's good for a total, a total average exit velocity on the day off Cal Quantrill of 80.6. That's inducing weak contact. That's good stuff right there from Cal. Uh, yeah, that's a quality start right there. And then the bullpen comes in. I mean, at this point, it's a runaway. But still, uh, Sandlin and Karinchik get to put in some work. They both have clean innings with two strikeouts. Nobody let on base. So that's nice to see from those two guys who had been working on their command down in AAA. Come up, have two clean innings, two strikeouts apiece. That's some solid stuff. Tanner Tully does get hit a little bit in the ninth inning. Frankly, he leaves a slider in the middle of the plate, a slow slider, a hanger to Eric Haas that he hammers off the wall in left center field. However, they're able to throw Harold Castro out at home plate. A great relay throw, I believe, by Ahmed Rosario and a great tag by Luke Maley at the plate. Ooh, Castro's ankle turns a little bit sliding into home plate after the tag. That ooh, that could have been bad. That could have been bad. But they have to review it because he was called safe on the field. But they take a look at it, and he is clearly out. They slap that tag on his foot right before it touches the plate. So a beautiful relay. Man, that's fun from the outfield. There's, there's not many things. I'm sure hitting a home run is great. I've never hit a home run in my lifetime. But throwing a guy out at home plate, it's got to be up there with some of the best things in all of baseball. And uh, they nail uh, Castro at the plate for the second out of the ninth inning. And then Scope uh, would, uh, I think, hit into a fielder's choice to end things. So Tully gets out of it. Oh, no, he strikes him out. He strikes him out on a high fastball uh, to get out of it and to end the game. So, uh, yeah, works the fastball at the top of the zone. Actually gets him to chase two fastballs at the top of the zone to end the game. So... Tanner Tully gets out of it. Uh, look, Tanner Tully is probably not going to be uh, in the Guardians' future plans. He, he's been hit pretty hard in his Major League career so far. But uh, we'll see what happens uh, with that Aaron Savali final spot. Tully was just here to eat some innings, right? The pitchers have been working so hard to finish the season. Tully was just called up here to eat or brought back here. Remember, he was DFA'd, I think was brought back just to eat some innings to get through the end of the first half. So there would probably be some changes in the mix in the bullpen. And who's going to be that fifth starter, right? There's some question marks on who's going to be that fifth starter if Savali's not back after the All-Star break. 
with that wrist injury. So it's a fantastic day to be a Cleveland Guardians fan. It's a fantastic day on Jose Ramirez bobblehead day. He shows up with the two home runs. He's ready for the home run derby. Let's start this thing right now. I made the joke on Twitter. Uh, Michael Pineda has already agreed to be the pitcher for the home run derby. Jose Ramirez told him, just keep doing what you're doing. Uh, probably not. I think it's probably going to be, I think they announced who the, uh, who it's going to be, who's actually throwing to him. I don't know why we care about these things. Who's pitching to guys now in the home run derby is a question. Uh, Mandy Bell had it in her article, and I'm going to stall here to see if I could find it. Um, Junior Batances uh, is going to be throwing to him. Uh, I believe he's on our coaching staff. Uh, Junior Batances is going to be throwing to him in the home run derby. So, Jose Ramirez is locked in right now, ready to go. Five RBIs on the day, and you know, you knew going into this MVP on the day was going to Jose Ramirez. I mean, how could it not? Five, two home runs on the day, five RBIs, the heartbeat of the team. People were wearing a t-shirt with his face on it in the crowd. Everybody had his bobblehead on the day. It was definitely Jose Ramirez day at uh, Progressive Field yesterday. So MVP on the day is going to Jose I mean, you know, you know the crowd loves this guy. Even Nailers at bats, they're still singing the Jose Ramirez song, which I think was the Jose Batista song first. But we've adopted uh, everybody in Jose. Pretty everyone named Jose in baseball pretty much gets this song. But uh, the Jose, 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 they're still singing it while Josh Naylor's batting. That's how you know this team really loves this guy. I mean, they kept it going for a whole nother at bat. Whew, it was a fun one. This was a fun... I mean, not if you're a Tigers fan. If you're a Tigers fan, this was miserable. You had five hits on the day. You barely hit anything hard. Uh, Eric Haas is the only one who has a decent day offensively for the Tigers. Man, we still miss that guy, don't we? That would be so nice to have a catcher hitting 242 with a 731 OPS. I would give anything for a catcher hitting 242 on this team. Uh, but yeah, uh, the Guardians really made the Tigers have a bad weekend going into the All-Star break. So will they play today? That's the big question mark at the end of the episode. Will they play today? We'll find out. We'll find out. All right, a last bit of news. I did catch a little bit of the Futures game uh, that aired on Peacock. I turned it on just in time for Joensky Noel. Uh, for his at-bat, I think he grounded out. Um, I didn't get to see any of Valera's at-bats, but the Guardians collectively playing left field for the Futures game. Uh, Valera got the start. They went 0-3. So they didn't really do much, but I did see Joensky Noel catch one against the wall out there in L.A. Um, man, he's a big guy. He really does. F- he feels a little bit like Fermil Reyes out there. Uh, I don't know if he moves any better in the outfield than Reyes does, but he's very similar. Seems like a similar build up. Big guy, a really big guy, a hulking guy. And, uh, man, it's going to be fun. When Valera and Joensky Noel finally reach the majors, it's going to be fun in Cleveland's outfield. There are going to be some thumpers in Cleveland's outfield. I mean, don't forget Oscar Gonzalez will come back as a right-handed bat in the outfield. And Nolan Jones just looks like he's here to stay, doesn't he? It looks like this kid was made for Major League Baseball. I, I don't see him... I don't see him or Quan going back down. I mean, these guys are locked in. You never know. I mean, look at Mercado. He looked like he was going to be a great center fielder when he first got called up. Had a great rookie season. So you never know what kind of sophomore slumps these guys are going to face. But 
Jones and Quan look like legit pieces in the outfield. Oscar Gonzalez, we'll see. We'll see if that back continues to thump. But you got Valera and Jawenski Noel coming up as thumpers, as power hitters, coming up very soon. Probably be next year that these guys are going to get a look, but coming up very soon. And you still have those contact hitters. Uh, you still have Will Benson, a power hitter in AAA, and you have Will Brennan, a contact hitter down there. So there's still more guys to come. So it's going to be really, I mean, the outfield is going to get fun for Cleveland. The outfield has been such a struggle for so many years in Cleveland, finding outfield bats. And now the future is very bright for Cleveland's outfield. How we're going to, how it's all going to shake out, who knows? But the future is very bright for Cleveland's outfield. And it's, you know, demonstrated by our two guys going into the futures game. We're both outfielders. So uh, it was fun to see them. It was fun to see them wearing the Cleveland hat, right? Everybody was marrying their major league team's hat. So it's your first look at Jawenski Noel, uh, maybe spring training, but your first look at Jawenski Noel and George Valera in those Guardians hats. So yeah, it was fun to see our guys represented in the Futures game. Uh, so yeah, that is all my thoughts on yesterday. It's a fun one. I had a blast. Uh, again, the final from Progressive Field, the Guardians 10, the Tigers nothing. Who doesn't have a blast when your team's putting up double-digit runs? You can follow me on Twitter, at Davey Barris. Email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the first half of the season, and we will discuss them on the show. I will. I am all in on your thoughts. I'll give you my thoughts on your thoughts. We'll have a fun conversation. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll do it that way, like a radio call-in show. We'll play them back in the air and respond to your thoughts and have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Baseball Morning.